Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pubs, Pints, People, the camera podcast. My name is Matt Bundy and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host Katie Wiles and Aunt Fiorillo. Hello both. Hello. Hello. Well, it is October or as some people might say, Stoptober. Now, while we on the show are (laughs) obviously all about beer and cider and perry and more, there are some great non-alcoholic options out there. So to find out more, this week we'll be chatting with Rob Fink from Big Drop Brew Company and Stuart Elkington from Dry Drinker. And we'll also hear from Alison Taff, great name, landlady at the Hot Pin Micropub in Hornchurch, who's going to give us her recommendations for the top 10 non-alcoholic beverages to try. That's right. And if you're interested in partaking in October or Dry January, please, please, please still go out and support the pub. There are so many great non-alcoholic beers and ciders out there to sample, and even more pubs are choosing to stock them. Pubs need all the help they can get at the moment, so this definitely isn't the time to avoid the local. Mm, absolutely, and of, of course, Stoptober is not the only reason why some people might opt for a non-alcoholic brew, is it, Katie? Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. If any of our listeners follow me on Twitter, they might have seen my little announcement that I'm currently pregnant with my second and my third child. Apparently, <laughs> 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 got the shock of my life with that one. So the, the great deception with last orders is over i'm sorry for that but you'll be hearing a lot more from me on the show about non-alcoholic brews on our last orders going forward it's so exciting i mean exciting is the word there was in fact a few of us on the podcast team are well acquainted with the non-alcoholic brews because another drum roll at the (laughs) moment my wife and i are also expecting our second child uh no third but uh to to make up for that our wonderful scriptwriter rebecca fennelly is also due in March with her first child so it, there must be something in the water at the minute but babies <laughs> are gonna be happening in the new year yeah. <laughs> and drum roll please no I'm not I have started a new job and there is a certain benefit to not having a, a hangover when you're starting in a really busy place I've got to say that but, so how, how are you finding then the non-alcoholic options you know and are you drinking them in solidarity do you know what I am and I'm not and what I mean by that is 
obviously my wife can't now uh, drink alcohol and it's not that she's missing that uh, hugely but it has drawn my attention to the selection of beers that, that there are out there and we've kind of got a little pact that if we're in the house and I want to drink that I will try and have a non-alcoholic option and drink in solidarity with her uh, and then I can go to the pub then to have a, an alcoholic beer but you know what the selection is great and I, t- I quite enjoy them and actually you're right Matt in some in sometimes in the working week especially if you've got to be up early it's nice to be able to have that beer without knowing you're going to get uh, get too poorly the following day. The second I found out, I literally I ordered a box from Dry Drinker and stocked up with these really nice Mickler beers and some really nice stouts. So I've not really felt like I'm missing out. I think actually even since the last time I was pregnant two years ago, there's just even more really amazing beers to yeah. try. So it's actually really come on in the last few years. If people are drinking alcohol, don't forget it's cider month. So Matt, that's probably one more for you. Matt can make yeah. it up for the team. I'll make it. <laughs> I'll take on this great burden for the, uh, for the team. I'll, uh, I'll be trying some cider, yes. But I'm looking forward to hearing about your journey kind of through the world of non-alcoholic beer where you've got the opportunity. This can be a running theme for uh, season two, can't it? I think. You see our listenership just nosedive. <laughs> it's true. It's worth noting that it's not just pregnant women or people taking part in month-long initiatives and challenges who choose to drink non-alcoholic beers. And I think what I actually love about the two interviews coming up in this episode is that both Stuart and Rob discuss how they've just cut down or given up alcohol because they've got to that age of starting families or they just don't have the time for associated hangovers uh, or they just want to make a, a, a genuine healthier choice in life. Definitely. And I also thought it was really interesting how they mentioned that actually most of the non-alcoholic beer market is made up of people who still do drink alcohol. They're not teetotalers. They're people who just want to cut down on the volume and might mix yeah. up non-alcoholic beers with alcoholic beers on a you know, night out with people. And I think what's really interesting and in, in you should come up is talking about the importance of taste and the fact that there yeah. is a taste that people that people love for beer and, and it's the alcohol is, is an incidental part of that. Yeah, that's really important. So I think this week's going to be an eye-opener for our listeners, I hope. And I think we should find out more. Let's hear as Stella sits down with Rob from Big Drop. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me today about how you came to launch Big Drop. To start off, what gave you the idea to create a dedicated low and no alcohol brewery? Uh, I'm a, a lawyer by trade. Um, and back in 2010, I'd started my own law firm uh, with another guy in the city of London. And the way that we split the work was that he would do all the legal work all day. But in the afternoons, I would go out and do business development, networking, that kind of thing. But in the city of London, where I worked, that was to a large degree standing in the pub. There are worse ways of making a living, certainly. But that was that was my job, which was lovely for a while. But then I had my first son in 2014 and I essentially just decided to knock the booze on the head because it's quite difficult to go and stand in a pub all afternoon and drink beer and then go home and change nappies and give your kid a bath and so I just thought okay look let's just stop drinking for a bit but what happened was of course if you stop drinking for a little bit you probably just don't go to the pub as much but of course I had to go to the pub that was half of my job so I ended up standing in these pubs and bars all day but was suddenly asking for non-alcoholic beer. And then what I suddenly realised was that I'm stood in these amazing pubs now that you can get any style of beer from around the world, any strength of beer, up until the point you ask for a non-alcoholic beer, at which point they offer you that brand. We all know what it is, the mass-produced lager. I buy two of those, pour them into a pint glass and stand there 
with my clients and my colleagues drinking that. But I suddenly thought, well, hang on a minute. Why is that still the only choice available in the non-alcoholic sector? Eventually, the question refined itself to why is nobody innovated in the non-alcoholic beer sector? And I couldn't find a good answer. And more to the point, I wanted a good non-alcoholic beer to drink. So I thought, why don't we give it a crack and see what happens? So that was the gist of it, the, the spark, as it were. What did you find with the common misconceptions around low and alcohol-free beer? I, I think the big one was they didn't taste very nice. There were exceptions to that rule. So, for example, a lot of the German wheat beers that are alcohol-free that you drink are excellent. Some some of them are absolutely fantastic. I sort of reached the conclusion that you could make good-tasting alcohol-free beer, but lots of people still thought it tasted not very nice. And that's probably still the misconception that we have to fight hardest against. When we were at the very forefront of of this innovation, the fight was extremely hard, whereas now whoever you're talking to, if, if they are steeped even vaguely in the brewing industry certainly then they will understand that alcohol-free beer has moved on leaps and bounds. When you're talking to consumers, there is still often a misconception that it's just impossible to produce great-tasting alcohol-free beer. For those that don't know, how do you make a good beer without the alcohol or make it very low alcohol and still taste good? Broadly speaking, there's two ways that you make an alcohol-free beer. And the first way is that you, you brew an alcoholic beer and then you remove the alcohol after the event. There's various different methods that you can use to do that. There's reverse osmosis, which essentially is where you filter the beer. The other way is called vacuum distillation. If you heat beer, then the alcohol will evaporate before the water does. So you're left with the same amount of liquid, but the alcohol is gone. Unfortunately, the temperature that you have to use to do that means that the beer tastes disgusting afterwards. Then you've got things like halted fermentation, where you essentially stop the brewing process before the alcohol is created. And then you've got what we do, which is called brewing to strength. The issues that we had with the methods whereby you're either removing the alcohol or preventing the creation of the alcohol in the first place is that fundamentally it adversely impacts the flavour of the beer. If you're trying to make a pale ale, if you're trying to make something that has big hoppy flavours, it's very difficult to remove the alcohol without also removing other flavours and aromas at the same time. So what we decided to do was brew to strength, which essentially is brewing the beer and then not removing the alcohol, but never having the alcohol reach an ABV of more than 0.5%. I really enjoyed trying your really hoppy pale ale. How do you keep that punchy flavour with the methods you use? Fundamentally, the way that we do it is we start with less sugar. Sugar turns to alcohol. So if you've got less sugar in the first place, you'll have less alcohol. So the the mash bills that we use, there's a lot less in them. We have to work very hard on our recipe development so that the flavours that we do get, we're getting, because we have to get them from much smaller amounts of grain, we're using lots of different styles of grain across our beers. So Mm -hmm. with a normal pale ale, you might expect only to find, you know, one or two styles of malt. We, We might be using seven or eight. The second thing is that we then use a particular strain of yeast, which is not very good at converting sugar to alcohol. We want to complete the fermenting process and extract all of the flavour from the grains, but not convert the sugar to alcohol. And then, again, to try and inhibit that activity, we're brewing at slightly higher temperatures to, again, inhibit the activity of the yeast. So those are the three technical brewing aspects of it. 
the final piece is that we add lactose to various of our beers. But the lactose is an unfermentable sugar. And so that means that it can just sit there and provide the, the mouthfeel and the body that you would have from alcohol that otherwise we would not have. You've got a diverse range of beers from lagers to pale ales to stouts. Are you working on anything new at the moment? Uh, so we're always working on new styles of beer. We'll never rest on our laurels. Fundamentally, our portfolio is structured such that we've got a core range of four. And then underneath that, we have what we call our crafted range, slightly more unusual styles. And then we do seasonal specials uh, in sort of limited runs. And then every year, we also try and do a collaboration set. Last year, we did four brews with UK brewers. It was a hibiscus saison, raspberry goza, black IPA, and an IPL, India Power Lager. There's lots going on, lots of different tiers. We try and experiment and keep just keep pushing it forward. Do you feel you still face challenges marketing non-alcoholic and low-alcoholic beer to drinkers? There's two answers to your question. The first is, what do consumers think about it? And the second is, what do the people, the supermarkets and the pub groups, what do they think about it? The way that you try and talk to each of those different groups is, is different because actually consumers have always bought non-alcoholic beer but i think that the retailers the pub groups and the grocers had to realize that it wasn't good enough to just provide the product that they had been providing up to that point one of our biggest supporters in the pub world is mitchell's and butler's and it was when i was giving a talk and it just so happened that their buyer was in the audience and i said it's it's not good enough to provide what you're providing look at what alcoholic beer you're selling then look at what non-alcoholic beer you're selling you're not providing people with the options and the choice and the diversity that they are entitled to big drop is now producing this beer drink this pale ale yes i look it's good isn't it it tastes nice i know great there you go why aren't you listing that? And eventually you saw those grocers and the retailers go, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, I get it. And all we've done, we've not created a new sector. We've just made that sector a bit better. In terms of the challenges, I think it goes back to this. It's still convincing consumers, the drinkers, that it can and does now taste good. And then it's about convincing the retailers and the pub groups that we have produced a product which we would argue is very good and that it should not be complicated to put some of that product in their fridge or on their shelf. I've noticed during lockdown that I've been drinking quite a bit more in the evenings and I'm thinking recently that I want to reduce my alcohol a bit so I have been turning to non-alcohol beers. Have you done research into who is drinking your beer whether for health reasons or people who enjoy the taste maybe without even realising it's low alcohol? We've done research of our own consumers and the general split is that 80% of our consumers drink alcohol in one form or another. Our consumers are not by and large teetotal. 20% of our drinkers don't drink alcohol. And then in terms of a demographic, what we find is that it's me. So I'm 42 this year, three young kids and a business and I try to stay moderately fit but I don't have time in my life for constant effects of alcohol, whether that's enjoying it or the next day not enjoying it. I just had a can of Big Drop Pale Ale with my lunch. I want a tasty drink, but I don't want a sugary soft drink. I don't want that flavour profile. It goes back to standing in the you know pub all day. I don't want to stand there drinking orange juice or lemonade. You just you can't do it. So non-alcoholic beer, that fits really well. Now, to be honest... If it gets to five o'clock, then I might have an alcoholic beer. That's not a problem. 
and then maybe I'll have a can of Big Drop with my dinner or while I'm watching TV later. We're just trying to provide options in as much as what's the occasion that I'm drinking in. Where am I in my day or my week or my year or my month or whatever it is? We're just plugging something in to what people choose to drink. Could you tell me a bit more about where your beer is sold? I know you have a website, but can you also buy it in shops? If you go to bigdropbrew.com and you can go on there and if we've got it, you can buy it, although we are tight on stock because of demand, which is nice. Or alternatively, in terms of supermarkets, you can get Big Drop in Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado. There's a supermarket group further in the north called Booths, which sell it. I would hope that most independent bottle shops would sell Big Drop. So if you use your local bottle shop, as um, is so important, you should be able to find it there. And then in terms of pubs, as I said, Mitchells and Butler's uh, should be stocking Big Drop. And then again, you know, various independent pubs and groups like us, I think, because we're not a macro brand. And if you can't find us, ask for us, because we've worked very hard to make sure that pubs and shops can buy us if they want to through distribution channels. So um, if we're not there, then then ask for us. Do you think non-alcoholic beer will always be something in the bottle and can, or could you see it ever going on draft or on tap in pubs? January 2019, our sales were 1% keg. So we do keg it. In January 2020, it was about 15%. If you had have asked me that question at the beginning of this year, I would have said that, in my view, 2020 was going to be the year of non-alcoholic beer on draft. Because even getting a bottle of Big Drop that does say alcohol-free on it, you're still advertising the fact that you're drinking alcohol-free beer, which some people are still not comfortable with, even if actually that's what they want to drink. Whereas if you go to the bar and you say, can I have a pint of Big Drop, and it's on draft, and you can take that back to your group of friends, sit at your table, you're just drinking a pint. We were and are in talks with various pub groups about putting it on draft, and it was absolutely flying. Subject to what happens with coronavirus, if we go back to some form of normal, I think draft alcohol-free beer will undoubtedly become a thing. Definitely. There we are. I mean, a really interesting interview, that one. And I love the idea of non-alcoholic options making their way to draft or tap. You know, yeah. I think that's really important. You know, mm. I, I guess a lot of people wouldn't even consider asking for their non-alcoholic options down the pub sometimes because they don't see it on the bar. It's not going to be the first thing that you see. We know how important that is. And of course, you know, we're all camera members. We, we love the, the taste of beer on draft, don't we? And I guess you don't have the option of trying a sample once in the bottle either, do you? So particularly if you're trying something new, something you're a bit uncertain about, you know, yeah. well, call it me or non-alcoholic, it's great to be able to try it if it's on tap. It's yeah. quite a broad thing. It's quite a statement to make for a pub, isn't it, to put an, a non-alcoholic beer on, on draft? I actually went to one of the non-alcoholic brew dog pubs in London earlier this year, and it was really actually quite cool because it didn't feel any different to normal pub where you see all the options on tap at the bar, and there was a huge amount of choice. I think I had like a hazelnut chocolate porter or something that was non-alcoholic, <laughs> which was, you know, right up my street. Very wild. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, it made such a great option option for, say, a lunchtime meeting place, especially if you don't want to be falling asleep at your desk by 2pm, if you want to have like a <laughs> lunchtime work meeting or something, it just seemed to fit the bill really well. <laughs> and as Rob said, it would definitely help with the misconceptions and perhaps the stigma that may come from choosing a non-alcoholic beer, and we're all very familiar with them. And I think the more people that try and order these brews, the more the brewers will create the recipes, and of course, the more available and better they'll become in our pubs. It's interesting how many different ways there are to create beer without alcohol. 
alcohol. I didn't realize yeah. this. You, know, you don't mm. think about the process, do you? You know, I guess it's a misconception that you have to dump a lot of chemicals into the beer to remove the alcohol. But actually, it's a fine art, you know, in terms of tweaking the recipe and, you know, I guess it's like using less sugar and brewing at a higher temperature to stop yeast activity. So there's a, there's a really lovely bit of science in there, you know, in the process that, that go into making these. I mean, it's great to hear that a non-alcoholic brewer doesn't just need to stick to a really small core range, perhaps as they did a few years ago. You can actually have a huge variety of craft brews and limited runs, just like any other brewer. It just mm. happens to be that they are low alcohol, non-alcohol. Yeah, I think mean, that's great to hear. We've talked a bit about October and we know that Dry January is another initiative that tends to roll around encouraging people to switch off of alcohol for a month. Now, Camera supports Tri-January, which was set up to encourage people to actually try newer different drinks in pubs rather than avoid them in January, which is a month that is typically very, very quiet for the industry post-Christmas, even without COVID times. So that might be a really good option for this year. Absolutely. And actually, with something like Triannuary, you can do Triannuary and Triannuary as a challenge and tick both boxes with the non-alcoholic beer. Definitely. I mean, in January, what, what pubs can't have after the incredibly difficult time that they've had is have another month when sales are really down. You know, we've got to really support them, you know, for a long period now. And, and it's absolutely important that we do that right now. I mean, between the 10 p.m. curfew and the other restrictions that have been imposed, let's let's be honest, without any evidence from the government, and let's not get too political, but, you know, it's, it's not not good what's, what's happening to an already under-pressure industry. And we're really concerned, aren't we, that the sector is being unfairly penalised. At camera, we've written to the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock. We're urging the government to publish their evidence behind the curfews and these restrictions and offer additional funding for those affected businesses because it's likely that many pubs are going to close before Christmas if things keep going on the way they are. <laughs> it really is that dire, so let's make sure as consumers we do what we can to support the local by going out and using them. If you're listening to the show, get out there and support them because I tell you what, Christmas Day for me would not be the same if I couldn't go out and have a pint on Christmas Day. I mean, come on, let's look after these places, folks. Now, listen, before we head over to our next interview, we've got a little recipe for you from the lovely Sue, which, of course, features a non-alcoholic beer pairing. Sue has created a plum porter jelly, and this week she's topped it with whipped cream and berry fruits, which she's recommended you pair with brews from Fentimans of Hexham in Northumberland, who are a botanical brewery. I tell you what, Anne, I could listen to you say whipped all day. Can you have one more? <laughs> whipped. Oh, <laughs> magnificent. <laughs> Wonderful. And Sue describes Fentimans. I'm sure she's not on commission from Fentimans, but she gives a very good marketing spiel about it. She says, founded in 1905, these quaint little brown bottles have an old-fashioned charm containing sparkling beverages made from plant and herb extracts, mm. including dandelion and burdock, which she remembers her grandparents sipping, and so do I. I have to say, jelly has become one of my pregnant craving so i think i'll have to give that one a go oh yeah <laughs> definitely have a look through that recipe and give it a try and as always if you do make it send us a picture on twitter pass them on to sue she's always mm. proud to see it now we're going to go over to sue alan walsh who's chatting with Stuart elkington at dry drinker i'm joined today by Stuart elkington the founder of dry drinker so Stuart, can you explain to us what dry drinker is yes morning alan um Dry Drinker is the UK's largest alcohol-free beer, wine and spirit shop. Um, uh, the business has been going for about three and a half years and primarily we're here to serve a function for people who 
for whatever occasion, whether they are they want to minimise their drinking or uh, they may be pregnant or they want to uh, abstain from alcohol for a bit. And we want to give them the best choice uh, currently in the UK. Has the demand for alcohol free drinks gone up in recent years or why, you know, why now? It has. I think when I stopped drinking about seven or eight years ago now, there wasn't the choice uh, that we, we see today. So over the last, uh, I would say, f- five years, people have got serious about alcohol free and certainly wanted to put more time and passion into into the market. And as technology uh, has enabled the brewers to make better beers, better wine, better spirits, then, of course, the interest has followed that. I think there was always interested in having alternative to alcohol, but there wasn't the product, the quality or the range out there. What do you think is actually driving the demand? Uh, I recently heard one explanation that the first wave of craft beer enthusiasts are, are now hitting their mid-30s and and they want to keep drinking good beer, but they need to balance that with kids and other familial obligations. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, I think even, you're right, It's we're finding... Uh, craft brewers around the world are are certainly adding at least one or two alcohol-free alternatives uh, to their range um, for that for that and many other reasons. So uh, yes, so you will see most of the craft brewers now uh, who are kind of thinking about it or have got an alternative in their range. When it comes to the beer themselves and the actual brewing, I mean, what are the What's a challenge for brewers when creating a non-alcoholic beer? I think if they've got a, a sister brand uh, that they have an alcohol um, sort of al- alcoholic version, you know, there's a, there's a very high uh, expectancy by the consumer that it's got to taste exactly like it. Of course, you will lose something when you're, you're reducing the alcohol from one thing to another. Um, I think they're the, the, the biggest um, challenges for brewer, and I can give an example. There are sort of Old Speckled Hen and, and uh, Adnams Go Ship are, are kind of, you know, two big brands that have been with us for a long time, and you know, and they took a long time to bring out their alcohol-free alternative because they wanted to make sure that the, you know, the recipes that they they actually put together and the flavours they they've got absolutely right, and the the citrus hop they use in the Adnams Go Ship and uh, the the basic ingredients for the uh, old speckled hen are are very similar they score nearly perfect five out of five with our customers so that's the real challenge and you'll see the bigger brands have taken their time because they want to make sure that they can please their their consumer um the latest example i can give you is we've we uh we've just launched with imbev the stella r to r zero percent um and i can just remember what stella used to taste like and when I first had it and, and brought it home and handed it out to my uh, my pleased neighbours, family and friends, uh, it, it got the thumbs up. So yeah, it, it's about just just recreating, you know, that flavour to to give it that original taste that the consumer is looking for. Has the quality improved in recent years since you've started doing this? Yeah, it's an interesting question. When I started, I. Um, I, I kind of had to go to Europe to start the range, really, because there, nobody was brewing anything in the UK. And there, was, and there was only a couple of beers that you could buy from the supermarket. Um, but obviously, when I did my research and, and spoke to breweries around Europe and brought the samples back, there was obviously instantly a higher quality. 
So the quality has always been there, but just not in the UK. So, you know, the first brewer that I worked with uh, was Big Drop. I met Rob, the CEO of Big Drop, before he brewed anything. And uh, and we kind of talked and met. And I was launching Dry Drinker at kind of the same time. And he was he had this idea about um, doing a, a beer, which, again, had ne- no one was really brewing alcohol-free beer. So um, the quality has always been there, but not in the UK. But now it, it certainly is. And uh, uh, it's really pleasing to see. I think we have now five or six dedicated uh, non-alcoholic breweries right here in the UK. Excellent. Do you find that you are kind of competing against the prevailing attitude? Is it like, you know, which is essentially non-alcoholic beer? What's the point? We used to. I mean, I would say three years ago, the, uh, you know, when you put out a post on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, it was, what's the point? No, thanks. I'd rather drink juice. (laughs) I I mean, I've heard it all. Um, but again, it's getting that. Uh, but now the quality is there. Now the range is there. Uh, you know, we we work with a, a fantastic Berlin craft uh, brewer who actually aged the alcohol-free beer in the bottle and then they wrap it in paper. They wet the hops before they harvest and then they brew to give it a fuller flavour. Uh, now, you know, it, nobody can tell me what's the point when somebody goes to that level and, and it produces that much flavour in their beer. So there is a point. Um, but yeah, no, listen, you, you, there's always going to be some negativity about alcohol free. Uh, when I stopped drinking, I say seven or eight years ago, um, the first question was, why are you ill? Um, <laughs> and it wasn't. I was just I, I hit 40, decided to take a break. And, you know, me and my wife were trying for a family. And that's that's kind of how my journey started. It was totally by accident. I had a I was working for a UK brewer, had a corporate job and never thought that by stopping drinking it would lead me down this path so um yes i've 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 kind of done the whole circle i've been to a i've been to lots of weddings uh, alcohol free and um realized that i actually can't dance and can't sing and um but but and, and come out the other end so but now of course i'm absolutely fine i can either bring my own or the uh, or the people organizing the party knows that they can give me an alternative that i'm happy with are, are we seeing more pubs or on sale venues purchasing alcohol-free beers we are and and it's a slow burn i've got to say it's not as quick as i'd like to see it um uh obviously people like Brewdog have brought the um the alcohol-free bar out which is that they've got one in london now which is great and I've, I've been to it a number of times and uh it's interesting just to see there and watch people come in who don't realize it's uh, completely alcohol-free and and they don't really know what to do do we stay do we not um what I've always wanted to see is a, a kind of a, um, a blended culture uh, as they do in, in most Europe. You know, uh, I spend a lot of time with the, with the brewers of Europe and our, and the people that we buy from. And they say to us, look, you know, we have a couple of alcoholic beers. We have a couple of alcohol free beers. Um, and, and then we all have a good night. And, and we get, that's the attitude that we're getting for. And, and that's certainly what I'm trying to promote that, you know, you can have the best of both worlds. It's uh it, you can have the beers on the Wednesday if you've got an early start on the Thursday because you can go alcohol free. So, but you've got the quality there. So attitudes are are certainly changing. I've never, you know, dry drinker hasn't been set up from a recovery point of view, or I, I've had a problem. So we are a beer, wine, and, and spirit company. We just have different numbers on the back of the beers, and and that's how we we kind of promote it uh, as a mainstream brand. Yeah, excellent. 
Uh, one thing that um, I've noticed any time I've been out and say on the non-alcoholic uh, route is that I don't think I've ever seen a non-alcoholic beer on draft, which is I've always thought is a bit of a missed trick because you know bottles, you know the bottles and drafts are, are different beasts, I suppose. They are. The, the, it's out there. It's just you've got to look for it. Uh, and I think again, my my personal view is uh, alcohol-free will be like. The revolution in smoking. I mean, uh, you know, it's very rare now, you know, trying to tell someone that we used to smoke on planes who are under the age of 21 blows their minds or we used to smoke on the tube, you know, and actually uh, having an alcohol free draft option will be in every pub in the next five years. I'm absolutely sure of that. It started, it started, uh, it started growing. Obviously, uh, brands like Adnams do have their Adnams go shipped uh, alcohol free on draft in some of their pubs. So we will see it. So, that, so again, um, if you are totally alcohol free, then you've got an option and you can go to the pub. And if you fancy just uh, trying to, uh, you know, mix and match your beers, then you have that uh, that option. But uh, I mean, we have seen, we've seen a phenomenal rise in actually the homebrew kit. So we sell the Heineken homebrew draft set. And um, so you can have a nice pint of draft Heineken Zero at home. Uh, we also sell them to, you know, small bars and cafes and restaurants that actually don't have a liquor license but want the option of a draft beer. So uh, there's nothing better. Uh, I've got a local curry house where I, um, where I live and they have one of our machines and it's great that I can go and have a couple of pints of Heineken with, with a great curry. And, of course, for them, they don't need the license. Uh, it's a great product. It's draft, it's fresh, and, uh, and everyone's a winner. So hammering down into specifics now, I'm going to put you on the spot. Give us some of your favorite uh, non-alcoholic beers. Uh, this, I, do you know what? I must get asked this question about 10 times a day from our customers, which is so hard. It's, it's, it's the who do I love more, my boy or my girl? I'll tell you what I'm drinking now then. Okay. We have a fantastic Russian beer called Baltiga, made in Petersburg. So it's a great bottle. It's about a 440 ml size bottle. And I think it's the it's just an absolute gem of a lager. Lager actually is quite hard to brew alcohol free, but they, they have created this very, uh, it's actually a very European flavor. So that on a, on a hot day, that has been my Friday R moment at sort of seven o'clock when I finished work and having a few beers in the garden. And I guess as it gets a bit cooler, uh, I love my dark beers and my porters. And we've just imported a brilliant uh, smoked porter from uh, Estonia, which has that lovely smoked, dark, chocolatey uh, feel to it, which is, uh, again, that with a curry or a spicy uh, meal is just fantastic. So great they've been able to launch a whole shop based purely on the concept of non and low alcohol beers. I think it just goes to show how much option there really is out there off the back of that interview. I mean, I'm not surprised to hear that it's already a developed concept in a lot of Europe before it really hit here. So I guess, I mean, the British pub and drinking culture is well renowned, but it's taken a while, hasn't it, for the non-alcoholic options to really begin to fit into the scene. I mean, I tried about, you know, 100 different non-alcoholic brews in recent years, and I have to say the best always seem to come from like Germany and Denmark and whatnot. Those are definitely the forerunners. It sounds like Stuart's been one of those key players in being able to show the UK market what they're actually capable of creating when it comes to non-alcoholic options. It's a shame, isn't it, it's taking pubs so long to take up a good variety. I hope that 
Stewart's right that they'll begin to look completely differently in the next five years, particularly if that's the trend in the market. That's what customers want. They've got yeah. to respond. Now, before we dive into the archive, Alison Taff, the landlady at the Hop In Micropub in Hornchurch, is going to give us her recommendations for the top 10 non-alcoholic beverages to try. As well as running the Hop In, I run a company called the Grape Society that hosts tasting events. We are independent drinks educators, running training sessions and tastings for restaurants, companies and members clubs. Now, we research and lead tastings on many styles of drinks, but every year in January, in normal times, we often get asked to run a low, no alcohol or even healthy drinks tastings. So we've tasted and tried quite a lot of different options. Now, I know you've got beer covered in this episode, so I'm turning to the other no and low options, many of which we offer at the Hop In, so that the non-drinker driver or person that's just cutting down has always got something delicious to enjoy above and beyond Coke and orange juice and the rest. On the theme of sodas, there are many more sparkling options available in the last few years. There are quite a few that have no sugar and no colour. So sparkling drinks like seltzers. We serve one called Ugly Water. We have lime and lemon, berry and peach, and the flavours are really quite good. San Pellegrano do one with version with some Italian influence flavours. They're bubbly and not too sweet, so you can enjoy a couple. You may have seen kombucha. Now this is a sweet tea, either green or black tea, where the sugar has been fermented out, leaving a tangy, dryish drink. Manufacturers usually add some sugar and their own fruit or ginger flavours, and usually bubbles. Some of these are quite tasty, and kombucha itself has some health benefits, so worth looking out for. For fans of a G&T-style drink, there are many options. Since Seedlip first developed this no-alcohol spirit drink in 2014, you've probably seen quite a few. We serve cedars. This is made with botanicals like juniper and rooibos tea. And if you serve it with plenty of ice and a slice topped up with tonic, it's rather refreshing and tasty with almost 0% alcohol content. There are other brands of these no alcohol drinks. They're popping up all over the place. You've probably seen them in the supermarket. Three Spirit, a plant-based drink, comes in three varieties. It's made here in the UK. And this one is the next on my list to try. A final word for the G&T alternative it's for fifth-generation family-owned distillers Heyman's. They have a distillery in Balham in South London, and they've invented something called small gin, a dinky bottle, and it comes with its own 5ml thimble attached. Now, the bottle says 43% ABV, but bear with me, because when you serve the brimful of the provided thimble, along with tonic and ice, you have really a rather decent G&T. They've dialed up the juniper and other classic botanicals, to deliver flavour and just 0.2 units of alcohol. It's also only got 15 calories if you serve it with a light tonic. Other adult-orientated and more complex no-alcohol options have been developed to give drinks a bit like an aperitif, so similar to an Amari or a vermouth, but without the alcohol. Everleaf is one. It's a bittersweet, citrus-flavoured aperitif. It made here in the UK and really good with tonic. Seedlips founder Ben Branson has created a brand called Acorn. Now, these are bitters, and they're developed from 17th century English herbal remedies. So interesting and tangy and satisfying when you serve them with a sparkling mixer. Even Martini have got in on this with their Vibrante. This comes in at 0.5%. It actually looks like a Campari when you pour it with a vibrant red colour. It's got extract of bergamot and plenty of interesting flavour. A final word for my much-loved cider. There are a few options out there. Sassy Le Verteau is a Normandy-style poire cider. Comes in at 2.5%. 
has acidity and a touch of sweetness. I also like Hogan's. They make high sobriety at 1% alcohol. But I've got a whole list of others to try here. So maybe we'll check in on these another day. I think it's great to see there's such a wide variety of non-alcoholic options now. You don't have to just put up with just juice or coke. We can make it a regular feature, call it Top of the Not Pops. Oh, <laughs> top, of uh, the, top of the Hops? Ooh. Top of the Hops, even better. If anybody's got any better jokes, tweet them in. <laughs> um, I mean, I've been hearing a lot about seltzers lately. Yeah. And, and I, I actually, I must admit, I had to look it up. I had to, let's go, because I didn't know what they were. And, and I've noticed there's been a huge push for them in advertising. So have either of you given them a try? I think they're quite an American thing. I'd rather just have a sparkling water with a bit of fruit thrown in it with myself. So it's time for a quick dive into the archive. We're looking back to 1988 this time. And it seems that the view on non-alcohol is a little different to those that we that we have today, uh, because the article we have in front of us uh, has a headline: "Low in alcohol, high in chemicals." Oh, oh dear! Yes. Yeah, oh dear, oh dear. And I think this is it, isn't it? We'll talk about the misconception of of high chemicals, and of course, back in the day, that may well have been the case. Certainly, isn't nowadays. Uh, the first line really sets the tone on this article, though. It reads: "The recent flood of low alcohol beers are overpriced, poor quality, and far less." beneficial to health than the brewers would have us believe and that's come from camera's own report on these drinks at the time sounds harsh um, but it may not be completely wrong i mean it was recognized that non and low alcoholic beer apparently nicknamed i love this nab labs (laughs) good old camera acronyms out for the win again (laughs) it says they were being priced essentially the same as their alcoholic counterparts and they reported also had a list of additives and various e-numbers which seemed to feature in the options the report also included a list of additives and things that were included in the beer I mean, I suspect the recipe list looks very different these days to what it did back in 1988. No, totally. E-numbers were not a good thing, were they? (laughs) You'd have been bouncing off the walls with them. But I can see why there are so many lingering misconceptions. Things certainly have changed in the 30 years since that report. Absolutely. Uh, It's not all doom and gloom, though. The report mentions the techniques used to make the brews, similar in premise to those described earlier by Rob. But on closer inspection, it appears to have taken a a very different approach. For example, it says here that low quantities of malt uh, is used. Obviously, Mm. I'm a malt expert after the GBBF, (laughs) the quantities that have from the Q&A we did. Whereas Rob explained that actually they technically use more in the low low alcohol, no alcohol varieties that they use to create Mm. nowadays to create that flavour base. They also ranked in here some of the available beers to try, which all sound a bit rank, to be honest. Because it's like Sainsbury's LA beer, Dunks LA, and Tesco LA lager. I mean, topping the board. Yeah, oh, I think I'll on, skip people. it. <laughs> right. So, listen, make sure you check out this article on Twitter, by the way. It's definitely an interesting read. And while you're there, don't forget to also give us a little follow. With the handles not changed, at Pubs Pints People, stay up to date with the campaign in between the episodes. Uh, we've had some really lovely comments from you of late. And remember, Sean is at the helm monitoring those. Give us a question, give us a shout, and we'll always get back to you when we can 
Well, with that, I think we're now ready for last orders. And I suspect you're having a nab lab, my new favorite acronym <laughs> uh, today, Katie, are you? I am, and I will be for a while. <laughs> I need to give a shout out to my favorite non-alcoholic beer, which is Michelow's Drinking in the Sun. And it's this really nice, hazy wee tail. It's so full-bodied, and you honestly cannot tell it's non-alcoholic. I think if you did a blind test, you wouldn't tell the difference. So yeah. it's been my absolute favorite find so far because... I feel like I'm drinking a beer, which is lovely. <laughs> How about yourself, Ant? Are you still reeling from VGBBF? Have I mean, you? It's are like you the talk of the year? I've got a commemorative T-shirt made up. I'm not going to lie; you know, I, wear, <laughs> I wear it everywhere. Uh, but but no, on a serious note, I've actually opted for a non-alcoholic one this week because because obviously we've been talking about it in the episode. But quite fondly, I remember that first trip back to the pub as we were just coming out of the lockdown a few months back. And if you remember from season one, I've mentioned I've been to meet some friends uh, centrally in Clop Hill so we were all driving so of course we couldn't consume too much but had a pint each and then uh, and then that was kind of it so I opted for a non-alcoholic beverage at the time and the one that I, I went for it was the St Peter's without blue label and do you know what it was as you say it was delicious I really associate with what you said there Matt about Rob talking about all the malts added to it because it was really I remember it being really malty and and really delicious I was totally impressed with it well it's up to me to have a full fat alcohol <laughs> yeah, version definitely. letting the side down or perhaps <laughs> you know keeping it keeping our end up who knows <laughs> uh, so i was gifted a set of westwood ales uh near, near chester this week by my friend who lives in that area and i've been really enjoying the eastgate amber ale Ooh, absolutely yeah. delicious and as alcoholic as you would like now make sure to tune in to our next episode it's going to take place on the 20th of october where we'll be learning all about beer versus cider tasting mm. with natalia watson and james finch and we'll have a brief chat with neil walker from the society of independent brewers association it's going to be the best thing since the presidential debate with me and Marzi on one side <laughs> and Matt over on the other side talking about cider. And we shut up, Matt. It's not about the cider. I'm joking, of course. It's going to be wonderful. So make sure you do tune in. And if you can't wait until then, why not check out the Learn and Discover platform on Cameron's website as we have a wonderful video uh, from beer sommelier Jane Payton on how to taste beer. So if you've got nothing to do this weekend and beyond, then why not give it a shot? It's under the beginner content, so completely free to view. And if you want some in-depth connoisseur materials, well, why not join the campaign? £26.50 unlocks loads of great material on Beer Cider Perry and much, much more. It does indeed. And I'm going to finish off with our quote for this week. And I've chosen uh, Katie's favourite person in the world, uh, no other than Donald Trump. Oh, no. no. You didn't I, warn me about this. I, I have. And, and just in case you wondered if he could be wrong about anything else, uh, here's him talking about beer. He says, I've never had a beer. It's one of my only good traits. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> we start with a boo. We end with a boo, not a cheers. Boo. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, let's send him a membership and a few vouchers and he can get over here and, well, actually, no, stay where you are. No, I don't want him on our no, books. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, on, yeah. that, on that provocative note. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How does a free case of beer sound? Yes, you can grab a case for free courtesy of our pals at Beer52 by going to www.beer52.com forward slash people. That's the numbers 52 in the 52 and covering the meagre postage cost of £5.95. And what's more, as a special offer for our listeners, they'll throw in two extra beers for free. So that's 10 unique craft beers. Beer52 is actually the biggest beer club in the world. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, and this month it's an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent. So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Durges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia... Poland, Germany, Serbia and Austria, among others. And if dark beer's not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included is the ever-insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So head over to www.beer52, that's the numbers 5 and 2, dot com forward slash people to claim your free case of 10 beers now.